Ain't nobody listening to this shit. Welcome to the Beyond Our Service podcast, where two veterans with wives and kids pretend to know what they're doing in life. We look at the good, bad, and ugly and laugh our way through it all. So come join us as we go beyond our service. Welcome back to yet another episode of Beyond Our Service. Today we have a special guest, Casey Lawrence. He's going to be talking to us, kind of giving us his, his story and how he got to where he is today. Uh, don't forget to like us, subscribe, follow us, tell your friends about us, do all the stuff on the social medias. Uh, we really appreciate it. And now without further ado, let's get into it. All right. So with us today is Casey Lawrence. Casey, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. You are so welcome. All right, first off, Casey, we have some questions that we traditionally ask anybody, whether you're a co-host, a guest host, or a interviewee. Mm-hmm. So first off, are you married? I am. Good. Uh, and how long have you guys been married? We've been married three years. Well, will be three years. Okay, yeah. so almost three years. Either that or a way of just, saying that. Yeah. Well, 20, 2020, I guess, was year two. So, yeah, three yes. years, actually. Three years. Okay. Wow. And then, uh, and my dog's going to drop us nuts. And then my second question, kids? I do. I have a three-year-old son. Yep. Good. Nice. What's his name? Rylan. Rylan. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then, uh, do you have any, oh, forgot to tell you, pets? No pets. No pets. No pets. Maybe That's one weird. day. And then uh, your... Uh, da, 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 da. what is your least favorite movie? Least favorite would be The Hurt Locker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, not a fan of that one either? Not a fan of that one. And then what is your... So when you when you shit, mm-hmm. or when you're done shitting, mm-hmm. do you sit on the toilet or do you stand to wipe? I sit. I do. Okay. You're when We talked about this before. You're At one home. cheek leaner. Yep, I'm a leaner. So you stand when it's like really <clears> gross out? Is that that's what I'm assuming? I stand if I'm squatting, yeah. If I'm out in the wilderness or something. Oh, of course. Okay, but when I, I, I mean, know, when you're like in a toilet, oh yeah, a clean no. environment. Nope. But I also, I will say this: no matter where, aside from the home, I always, I always hit the toilet seat with a cleaner or soap and water before I sit on it. Wow. Yeah. After the army, I did that for some reason. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I'm too lazy. If it's like a store or an office. Yeah, you know, or even gotcha. my office, like I just, or a gas station, yep. your office, your own office. Oh yeah, got right. some nasty motherfuckers that work there. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Okay, so uh, Casey, we asked you to come on the show, man. I think you have a really interesting history, a history and story to tell. So that's kind of the main purpose of of the show. I want you to just share your history, how you got to where you're at today. Hmm. Uh, I've known Casey since. I say we're like best friends, but I've known you for probably two years. 
Veteran Circles has been around for two years. Yeah, more like three or four almost. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Twenty twenty really messed things up. Yeah, man. It didn't feel like it's it been did. that long at all. Yeah. Because Okay, so because I think I met you, I saw you talk at the first Veteran Circle, which is a networking group here in Fort Worth, the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex, actually. So And the first one kicked off in twenty nineteen. The first physical meetup at right. the Sojo building. Okay. Yeah. So I think and then we went to did we go to a lunch? I don't remember. Probably. And then we went and, and then mm-hmm. I've been coming to the to the networking groups. So you've invited me to poker night a couple times. I've not been able to go. So hopefully hopefully this Friday I can. Um so tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Where are you originally from? From Texas. Okay. Yeah, I was actually born in Fort Hood. Um, nice. Yeah, and then uh, I grew up I grew up in Garland, in the hood of Garland <laughs> for the first eight years, and then moved to Rowlett. And then Forney, um, then joined okay. the Army when I was 18, so got out of there. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have actually not sat through, like, your entire – I've heard snippets. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I've come in or I've talked some about, like, kind of your story. So Yeah, I haven't really shared it to many people. Okay. I don't know why. Because I, I haven't, haven't – I mean, I know, yeah. like, in the networking group, you've, you've mentioned it or you've talked. So I know a little bit about your history, a little, but not a lot. So where do you want to start? Man, I can start wherever – do I start like I mean, where did it start? Like where does it? Oh man, where does it get good? It gets where does re- it get juicy. It gets good probably first first year after getting out of the military. Okay, so why did you join? Did you join to get out to get away? So I actually got I got kicked out of school three months before graduation. That sounds pretty juicy, right? Let's start there. And I decided I was a grown man and I didn't oh, need high school. Okay. Now sure. to this day, I still think high school is a scam till about. Like, 10th grade, you probably should – it's probably a good thing. After that, you're good, unless you really want to go to college. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so I got kicked out, and when I joined the Army, I got my GED. Um, okay. And I remember they, they, I scored a perfect score on the GED. Like, they said you didn't miss one thing. So then they offered me a state-ran scholarship competition. And I said, no, thanks. I want to join the Army. That's the smart thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, yeah, I asked my I'm too recruiter. Smart for you guys, I'm joining the army. Yeah, I was like, no. Nah. So I was like, hey, Mr. Recruiter guy, what's the hardest job in the army? He's like, infantry. I was like, perfect, let's do it. Um, but what's funny is that's I joined the army because my dad was in for 22 years, okay. right? Yeah. Um, and I always wanted to do it. At the same time, I knew I was going down a bad road. Just didn't have the right structure, friend wise. Um, I was a shithead. You know, my dad tried his best. But, I mean, we went from literally dirt poor to having a good life. But I just, you know, he raised me. He was, just, I was, he was a single dad for a while. Um, and my stepmom, she she was a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a, it was a different situation, you know. Did you have a relationship with your mom at all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You did then? Well, I did then. It was a every other weekend kind of thing. Sure. Um, wasn't the greatest, not going to lie. It was actually kind of shitty towards the end of it, um, especially like after I was old enough to make my own decisions as far as who I get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I'll come back to that, you know. Okay. That's what's funny about this whole thing. So I joined the Army in 07 and did my thing, you know, went to Iraq, went to Afghanistan. I did the Army. I did the standard Army stuff. You know, I joined at 18, got married before I was 20. 
Was it to a stripper? No, she wasn't a stripper. Okay, so not completely standard. Not yet. But I got married and divorced within. <laughs> yeah, that's it pretty was, standard. I think I found out she left me on our anniversary, our one year anniversary. Because I came home, my house was completely empty. Okay, and I was like, okay, mind. but she vacuumed, so I can't hate her too much because the lines were perfect. <laughs> and I remember I called my buddy. I don't what know if saint. I was in shock or what, but I was like, hey, so Brie left, but she fucking vacuumed really good. And he's like, I guess there's always a positive, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and we had just got back from deployment. So he was like, you want me to come over and party? I'm like, sure. Nice. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I got out. I actually got my CDL when I got out. Okay. And uh, went to North Dakota. Worked there for almost a year, making big money. Oh, doing the oil stuff? Yeah, hauling okay. crude. Yeah. And, it, you know, bringing in good money. And it up there, they don't tell you this, but it's the Wild West, man. Um, you get away with a lot of stuff, and you make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, the bad thing about it is it's a work-only place. Like, you don't go up there to live and build a life. You go up there to work. And build a job. That's it. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't alone there. I had my ex with me. And it just wasn't good. So I wanted to come back home. Closest thing I got was South Texas in the valley, which is like near Har- Harlingen and not far from the border. Um, it's okay. that big area between like Brownsville and Corpus Christi. Like there's just nothing. Okay. Yeah. So moved down there. Took a huge pay cut, but said whatever. Uh, a few months later... Me and the ex break up. She goes back home. And then I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. I'll just do my own thing. Um, here's what changed everything. And not a lot of people know this. Um, I had a bad night one night. It was a buddy of mine's uh, death anniversary. Got killed mm. in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, and it started off great. Now, mind you, I lived in an RV in the middle of nowhere at an RV park. And... Uh, Start off great, you know. We're video chatting with other brothers and drinking shots. Like, hey, here, you know, you know how it is. Yeah. But like around midnight or one o'clock, shit just went downhill. Bad. Depression kicks in. Sad stuff kicks in. You start crying for no fucking reason. Um, guilt is a big one. And then all of a sudden, you call the only person. I had one friend, and she just happened to not be in town. But she was worried, so she called her friend, who just happens to be the only dispatcher in that area. She dispatches EMS and police. Mm. So she was told from my friend, hey, will you send a black and white to check on my buddy? He's not doing too good. Which was translated in, hey, my friend has a friend who's a vet, combat veteran, who's drunk, not having a good night at all. Yeah. Which was translated like, get the SWAT and sheriff's department involved. (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, so I'm in my RV, like drunk off my ass and I see all these flashing lights and I'm like, man, someone's in trouble. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, what did they do? <laughs> and then that's when you hear the megaphone and I'm like, that's weird. And then my phone goes off. I was like, hello. And it was a police chief. And I'm like, oh, that's when you really messed up when the police chief Jesus. called you. What were you doing? Did you, I mean, did she think you were like, why would they send that many people? Because it was a small town, uh-huh. and it was a telephone game. It literally was a phone booth game or whatever, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. I tell you one thing, you tell someone else something else, they keep it going. 
Yeah, that it gets changed. It gets changed. Grows so into something crazy. <clears throat> what was supposed to be one person or one you know squad, maybe two guys to check up on me, turned into a, a force. Jesus. Um, the SWAT team didn't show up first. It was like five police cars surrounding my RV. So I'm like, okay. But what got worse is I didn't know why they were there. They didn't tell me why they were there. They just wanted me to come out. I'm drunk. You got to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, no, I'm not coming out. Um, at the time, I was heavily armed because what vet isn't at some point in their post-military career? Especially um, in an RV in the middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. So like, well, we're going to have to come in there and make sure you're okay. And I was like, if you step foot in my RV, I will defend myself. That's what got SWAT team called. <laughs> so yeah, then that happens. So SWAT got called, and I remember, I remember a lot because I was drunk, but I always remembered stuff. But I remember at one point peeking out the window on the phone with the police chief saying, "Your SWAT team sucks because they don't know how to stack on an RV." Because I'm looking at him like I could do whatever I wanted at this point. He's like, "You need to stop making threats." I was like, "I'm not threatening. They just need more training." It's just an objection. <laughs> just making an observation here. I'm watching them stack up on my window of an RV. Um, there's nothing tactical about that. <laughs> But I was just being a dick. Um, but anyway, so what finally got me out is about 2, 3 a.m. I finally said, fine, I'm coming out. I have my phone in my hand. I have no weapons in my hand. Please don't shoot me. And if you shoot me, shoot me dead. Um, so I walk out. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, so I, I, I walk out and I sit down. Now, mind you, this whole time I was depressed and guilty and whatever. So mm-hmm. I kind of wanted them to take care of business. But I just didn't have the guts to do it myself, I guess you could say. Sure. So I sit down on my steps and I knew the SWAT was there and they were right here. They yanked me down, threw me on the ground. K9 was all up my ass. Um, but then this big cop, man, he probably was pushing 350 easy. Just a big, fat, out of shape cop. Mm. And I couldn't help myself. He, I just started tearing him apart. I'm like, how the hell are you in any kind of anything enforcement? Um, so I was like trying to make a deal with him. Like, hey, if, if you let me go and I can outrun your cop, can I be free or, or <laughs> just being a dick, you know? Um, uh, so they took me to jail. That's weird. Right. Got arrested, yeah. went to jail. And my dad bailed me out, which was funny because I didn't call my dad. So I'm like, how did you, how did you know? Through the grapevine, right? My friend, then my brother, my brother, then my dad. Dad drives seven and a half hours, come bail me out of jail. He's like, you don't belong here. I'm like, well, I do. I'm okay. I can figure this out. I lost my job. I lost my girl. Whatever. So I moved when back. Did you, when did you lose your job? The week before that. I forgot. Yeah, the week before that. Layoffs. The oh. oil field was crashing. Oh, okay, gotcha. And what year is this? This was 2015. Beginning of 2015. Yeah. Okay, okay. So then I got one more job in the oil field. Hauling crude. Sweet gig. Free apartment. About 450 a day. Um, gravy. I was there for three months. They called me and they said, "Hey, we have to let you go for some insurance reasons." Come to find out, they were closing business because the oil field was closing down for sure. So I moved back up to DMW in my RV, no job. Um, couldn't afford anything, so I got an RV park. Got in, I got evicted from one, so I moved to another one that was a hundred dollars cheaper. Why'd you get evicted? Because I couldn't. You couldn't pay? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was always too late on the payments. Yeah. So I finally got a job in sales, car sales. Um, did great, but saw no money. Lifestyle went to crap even more because now you're working all the time. Mm-hmm. I stopped going to the gym, started partying. 
stopped paying bills well for RV got kicked out again <laughs> from another RV park yeah and at this point I just didn't know what to do then I got a call from someone I didn't expect to ever get a call from my mom mm. right okay um and she was like hey my husband and I want to buy into a franchise and we want you to run it with us. And I'm like, are you sure you have the right son on the phone? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not what I do. I don't have any, any idea how to do this. Um, but what's funny is the week after I got out of jail, I called her and I wanted to, I gave her a choice. We either fix this or we never talk again. So we fixed it. Right. Um, which is funny because later on this happened. Well, so what to fix what though? We just had y'all just not talked. We had a bad relationship. Okay, you know I don't want to get too. Of, well, just don't get into too much detail. If you I would say more mental than anything, but you know, it wasn't the best kind of relationship of mom and son. Right? Sure, and it was one of those things where I did not want to see them. I only wanted mm -hmm. to see my siblings. So I would I would put myself through it just to see my brother and sister on that side. And the, you know, her current, her past husband that they had a bad relationship. It was all kind of an inclusive deal, but there's a reason why a dad has full custody of a, of a kid right in, in the state of Texas. Yeah. With no court, like with no lawsuit. It's like, it was a done deal because of reasons. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know them all. I just knew we didn't have a good relationship at all. Okay. Um, so we, we fixed it, reworked it, whatever. And what's funny is I told her, I was like, I can't afford to move. You live on the other side of Dallas. I, at this point, I'm in Terrell, right? And I, I just parked into a Love's truck stop because I couldn't afford an RV park. I just spent the second night in a truck stop before they even knew about it because they won't allow you without paying. Mm -hmm. But I was doing it for free because I was an RV. And uh, I just didn't have my slide outs out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I figured they wouldn't know. So she told me about it and I'm like, well, I can't afford a place. She's like, well, you can, you can come and live with us to get your feet back under you. And I'm like, I've never lived with her before ever. Wow. And at this point, this is two years after the army. Like you, you're supposed to be a grown man. Sure. Have your shit together. Eh. So air um, quotes supposed to. Right. Yeah. So December 20, 2015, this all happened in one year. But December 2015, I moved in with her in Colleyville and started a business with her in January 2016. And for those of you that don't know, Colleyville's not a poor area of the United it's States. It's a very affluent area. Very affluent in the Metroplex. In a pretty affluent Metroplex, Colleyville's, Colleyville's probably one of the top as far as just general or average income, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. There's only a few that I can think of, like South Lake or maybe Highland Park, obviously, yeah. but some some that would beat it. But Yeah, anyway. but not where I, I wasn't used to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, remember my dad raised me in Garland. We shared an 800-square-foot house with my uncle nice. and barely afforded rent. My dad and I used to share the noodle boxes. I don't know if you remember them. They're peel-off tops. That was our dinner. We would share that as dinner. But I was such a young kid that I didn't remember how shitty of a yeah, life you, we had. You, you don't know. No, You're still I mean, like, I thought this is how it was. Yeah, it didn't matter. It doesn't, when you're <laughs> that little, though, it doesn't even matter. Like, you don't know anything. No. You know what I mean? Like, you're just, you're playing with, 
I, I swear we that's his like, job we though. That he in. made sure I didn't of course realize the BS, right? Yeah. How poor we were. But uh but anyways, yeah. So I took my mom up on an offer. I was like, I literally said, fuck it, why not? At this point, I don't know what else I have to lose. Sure. Um because I was the reason I was broke is I never missed a payment on my truck or my RV or my insurance. I just didn't have any money after that. Mm. So I put my RV at my aunt's house, moved to my mom's house. Um, I called for a payoff because I wanted to sell my RV, found out they took two years of interest first before the principal, and then I owed the original amount oh still. My God. So then I said, hey, come get it because I can't afford it. So then they repoed my RV, but I live with my mom. Um, I told her a year or less, and at 10 months, I got my first apartment on my own while we were building J-Dog which is the franchise that we started, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what's funny is we started out of her kitchen with me in a truck and a trailer. And what is J-Dog? J-Dog is a, don't know. It's a junk removal company, full-service junk removal company. It's a national franchise. Um, and what's funny is, you know, in the beginning, it was a very new franchise. It Sorry. happens. You can just burp right into the mic. We're, it's, <laughs> but, not a, it's not a professional podcast by any means. <clears throat> you don't ever, hey, not yet. Sure. You, you realize who's on this now? Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Um, or the big time. <laughs> so what's funny is it was a brand new franchise. Mm -hmm. So even the actual franchisor didn't know much about the company. He knew he had a good idea. He had backing, and so he sold it. He sold that idea to other people. Um, and, we, and, we, and we bought into it. Six months into it, we figured out, like, damn, we could have done this on our own. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Damn it. We saved a lot of money. But yeah, yeah. we rolled with it. It was a very, it, it's a, it's a franchise model that's based on flat rate royalties, which is great for business minded owners. Sure. For people that want the franchise or to do everything, you need to go to other franchises that do percentage because now they got skin in the game and they want you to do good. Mm -hmm. This is not like that. This franchise is like, well, we really don't care how you do as long as you buy the franchise. Like, sure. If you're paying the royalties, yeah, then we're, yeah. we're good. They're more of a franchise dealer um, okay. than, than franchise builder. Right. Okay. Um, I would say probably 95% of what they spend their marketing on is going to be selling franchises, not oh, wow, yeah. making their actual franchises currently successful. But we took the advantage of that. We said, okay, so we independently own these. You don't have access to our books unless we give you access. So we can kind of do what we want as long as we adhere to the agreement. Sure. Um, so like our first year, we did like 248 grand out of a kitchen and nice. the second year i think we did half a mil um we were growing mm -hmm. third year we did damn near a million dollars and then the fourth year over six figures right mm -hmm. or over, over seven figures mm -hmm. um so we just kept like really killing it i got i got into large-scale demolition not just little mini demos of sheds like we were taught but like Houses, buildings, uh, multi, multi houses, like 10 houses, you know, or whatever. We started to change the game a little bit because I solely believed you needed to have two main services feeding the beast. Because if you have a seasonal industry, well, what happens in the down season? It sucks. But yeah. what if you had a factor that pulled your revenue, even at a steady pace during your slow season? Well, you get through the slow season. Well, we had that. We had residential and we had commercial. So what was y'all slow season when you first started? Uh, winter. 
school, back to school. Okay. And then holidays, like winter, you know, Christmas. How come? Because everybody is saving up for bullshit. Yeah. Or they're about to have family come over. So, yeah, they may call you to clean out some shit. But after that, it's stagnant. They don't yeah. know what the next year looks like. At the same time, when winter happens, we naturally want to stay out of the outside world. We want to stay indoors as much as possible, whether mm-hmm. that's hurry the fuck up and get to work or hurry and get back in the house. They just don't want to deal with certain things. You kind of get into hibernation mode. You do. Um, sure. That's the leading cause of, of why the flu and the cold <clears throat> is so bad for you. Being outside in cold weather does not get you the cold. It's being inside, staying warm with others and sharing bacteria it's the same concept as far as business goes. You don't want to be outside. Yeah, so yeah. So you stay in. Um, and that's, that's reaching, but fuck it. <laughs> I got it. I'm picking it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Picking uh, up what you're putting down. But what's funny is, you know, we found a niche and we, we ran with it. Um, and we realized we're, we're a franchise, so we can only do territories. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can't do jobs in Dallas, Fort Worth. My franchise territories are Northeast Tarrant County. We bought the affluent areas for a reason. Those people pay to have stuff done for them. Sure. Now, you know, at first we weren't we weren't popular. The other franchisees did not like us because we planned ahead, and they didn't like that. They thought you should go in everything winging it. Yeah. But, well, you know, we came in, and you had me running the sh- running the show on the front end. Hey, I'm running operations. My mom and stepdad at the time were running the back end. People are like, oh, well, that's not that's easy for them because they have their son doing everything. Well, yeah, that's kind of the plan. Yeah, you hire people. Like when you go into <laughs> business, you have a business plan. You mean that's not fair? Yeah. So the biggest problem with any business is owner operator status. If you if you get to a point where you can't get out of working in your business, oh yeah, then your business fails. <clears throat> I mean that that's that's actually the biggest uh, one of the most common issues for failing franchises. The owner can't get the F out of the truck. He's doing all the jobs, year two, year three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's wondering why he can't pay the bills. His business is great, but how come I can't afford stuff? Oh, because you have all this business coming in, but you can't do it right because you're doing it all. Yeah. Or the flip, I can't get enough business. Well, it's because you're too busy cleaning up junk instead of going out there and grabbing business. So, yeah, man, um, two months ago, so actually, let me – one more time backtrack. Sure. When we started the business, we had a plan. At five years, Tony and Brian, my mom and stepdad, they're going to retire and Casey's going to take over fully. Okay. And I said, okay. 2019, I got a huge chunk percentage-wise of ownership. 2020 came around. I happened to just, we happened, we happened to get a really cool lead for Hillwood, which is Ross Perot Jr.'s company. Sure, yeah. And it did not go smoothly because they kept dragging their feet. Um, but we put this estimate in for over a quarter million dollars for a demolition. That was an hour away. It was not convenient. It was not efficient. And the only way it would work is if they agreed to the price. This price makes it worth it. Um, it took six months for them to say okay. We gave them the estimate like in November of 2019. We got the okay damn near summer 2020. Before that, we were looking at closing down because of 2020. Mm-hmm. 
but we just had a spike in business because people were stuck at home. Yeah, they want to get rid of stuff. And they're like, well, I got nothing else to do. Might as well do projects or get rid of stuff. And then they said yes to the job. Wow. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Here's the other shitty thing. July of 2020, everybody that was full-time for me just decided to quit within the same week. They didn't have a good reason or they had a good reason as like, oh, I get paid $2 more over here, which is like, okay, fuck you. Sure. And my mom and stepdad just happened to be out of the country the same week on vacation, Mm -hmm. which they should be. That's great. Yeah. But we also didn't have an admin. So you had my ass waking up every morning at like 3.30, 4 o'clock, driving straight to this demo job, getting on an excavator, doing some work. Around noon, I'd hightail it back to the office because I had the J-Dog phone. I had our company phone. I was taking calls and scheduling, calling a part-time guy, doing jobs for like a week and a half. It was terrible. Yeah, that sucks. But it was worth it because I learned a lot, but at the same time, we got through it. And then two months ago, we sold our company to a new couple, a veteran couple, um, and we sold it for a really good price. And everybody's happy. And it was wor- well worth it. And now I'm staying on with them to help them acclimate to the business and the industry. At the same time, I've started a couple other businesses that I'm going to be entertaining. And uh, with other members of our veteran circles group, too. Um, nice. But it all started with that stupid night, dude. That bad night I had in South Texas. That's literally the starting point. So in that bad night, did you, I know you said you didn't have the courage to like do it yourself. Were you thinking about committing suicide? Absolutely. Yeah. Because you have to understand, you don't, the people that do it, they don't tell you they're going to do it. Right. They, if anything, they almost want you to not to think they're going to do it because it's not a proud thing. You don't go around telling people. Right. Right. But for me, it was more of a selfish reason. I had, I had selfish reasons for it. I was very um, like, man, I, I sh- maybe I should have stayed in. Maybe I should have went back again because I went to Iraq and I actually extended to go to Afghanistan because of my divorce and I had new privates that came in. We did the NTC rotation and I was like, well, I can't just get out now. Yeah. I kind of want to see this through. So Afghanistan was a kind of a shit show for us. We had brand new leadership. And mm. it was terrible because it was at our cost where Iraq, we had the good leadership that we didn't really need because we were at the tail end of Iraq where Afghanistan, we were kind of still in oh shit mode with brand yeah. new people. What year was that? Iraq or Afghanistan? Afghanistan. 2012. Okay. And we're in the Panjway district. We we're in Panjway, Kandahar area. Mm-hmm. So our South of, Pan- of Kandahar was Panjway, which just happened to be when we were there was right after the six-month bubble that was in place because of Mr. Robert Bales, who decided to go on a killing spree one night. He killed 14 women and children, allegedly by himself, which I'm like, give that dude a medal if he did it by himself. Yeah. He didn't. But anyways, um, so they put a bubble. We were there at the tail end of that bubble, so it was just a madhouse. Imagine having six months to plan for your enemy that is right next door, and they can't do anything about it. Um. So when we, when we went in, we actually, the guys we replaced were like, good luck because they're waiting on you, you know? And I remember the first day in country, of course, you're processing in, we got yeah. to Kandahar. We're like, this place is gravy. 
This yeah. is awesome. Okay, <laughs> cool. You're they in got, calf? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. They got TGI Fridays for crying out loud. Hell yeah, they do. What do you mean this is bad? <laughs> that was day one. What the hell have you guys been doing here? I know. Day two, like, all right, guys, let's go. Like, where are we going? We're going to Zangabad. It's in Panjway. Mm, no, we're here. We're at the base. Yeah, we did not. We're like, okay. I wonder how that place looks. Well, you get there, and it's just a bunch of sandbags and Hescos, and, you know, you have big chunks missing out of the Hescos, and you're like, someone hit it with a truck? No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we get there, second day, set up, get all packed, you know, moved in. Third day was our first reality check. I was in the gym, which is a GP small or medium or whatever, with a pallet floor. That was our gym. Nice. And I remember I had my jacket off. I'm in just my tan T-shirt, and I have my gat on the floor. We get attacked. I mean, like clockwork. They were like, okay, they're settled. Let's do it. It was just a test. It wasn't anything crazy. They were going around just testing our oh yeah yeah motorcycles mostly. And uh, that's when we got the reality chip because they started just lobbing stuff over the walls. We didn't even have our mortar pits ready. Like they, those got, I was a mortar section, but I wasn't on the big gun. I was on the line, but even the 120 guys, they weren't ready because we just got there. So they start lobbing stuff over the walls. They start doing some small arms, some rockets. And so we climb the wall. Let's, let's return. And we start just popping back. Well, um, that's when shit got real. Cause I got, I got my, my first dose of actually seeing my reaction the result of my reaction and then the follow-up process of it, of being, of it being brought to you and seeing and being like, wow, I did this. Um, it was fucking weird because it, it just was weird. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't feel real. It felt like a video game. You know, there was, what do you mean by seeing by when they brought you the result? <clears throat> so I shot a dude on a motorcycle. Yeah. And a kid. Mm. Kid was fine. Just, his chest got shot, but he lived. Um, Good. Probably get him mad booty down the road. You know? <laughs> See this uh, right here, guys? Some other dudes. Probably, <laughs> yeah, probably. Because it's Afghanistan. That's true. But kid was fine. That's Guy good. driving was not. Good. And it was a clean. It was as clean as they come, man. There was no blood. It was funny. We didn't even know this dude was dead. Because we're like, where is he shot? But it was lung, heart, lung. <clears throat> it was weird nice. um but they brought it to us they brought him to us and the kid to us of course because the town people were like what have you done sure and we're like you know what we've done because uh, look he what attacked they us doing. assholes yeah. what, uh, why does he have a kid on the car on the damn right. motorbike while attacking us yeah um of course they took his ak and they took all the good stuff but they left one key piece of uh of of information which i'm so glad that saved my ass um he had a book full of Taliban contacts and cash. Oh, nice. Like tons of caches. Hey, this might be helpful, right? Well, before we knew what this book was, my sergeant major at the time, new leadership, I mean, wanted to kick me out of the army with dishonorable everything. You're a piece of shit. How could you do this? Um, I'm like, listen here, sergeant major, fat fuck. Like, you suck, but I'm taking this, and you weren't there. My you first challenge him to a foot race. <clears throat> to a what? A foot race, like the cop. He would have. Let me tell you this. He would have just major. probably shot me. You know, <laughs> like I. Win. I'm going to race you across the fob, <laughs> yeah. and if I win, I know, right? 
I'm so he good. wasn't as big as that cop was, right? <laughs> but what's funny is my first sergeant at the time was next to me on the wall when we were returning fire, and he didn't say a word. Oh, that's... And that's when I knew shit was real because I knew then we are not here with support. Our leadership is not the right guy. They're not the right guys. And you know yeah. what? We had some good, good leadership. Don't get me wrong. Some of the PLs were shit hot. They were like, hey, I'm here to learn. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going gonna, gonna to take direction from all my NCOs. And I'm, I'm also going to pull rank if I have to, but I'm here to learn. So don't be a dick. Right. Yeah. And those are the good ones. It was funny because this first sergeant, he was a ranger in the 90s. But he made everybody aware of that, too. Yeah, of course he does. This is how we do things because this is how I did it when I was a ranger. And we're like, That was 20 years ago, when? dude. <laughs> when? <laughs> oh, is that what they're doing now? Because he was like about mm. this big. You can't see it, but he was really top heavy. But he had really small feet. So whenever he'd walk, and if you could get away with it, you would go, Tink, 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 tink. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you would imagine that's what he sounds like. Um, but anyway, so that was Afghanistan, man. It just, you know, we didn't have the right people. Yeah. Um, so whenever you get out of that situation, I've actually told Carl about this before. You know, Carl Monger, mm-hmm. Gallant Few. Been on the show. I told him, I go, I don't like the word transition because that, that it, it, uh, you assume a smooth process. For me, it wasn't okay. so smooth. For me and for most people in my position, your average vet who gets out after four, five, six years, um, not an officer, not high ranking, just kind of sees it through. Yeah, just your general yeah. NCO. There's no, tri- it's not really a smooth process. It's more of like a kerplunk or a, a wall. Um, you have to grow up again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was gone for eight years total. When I moved back to Texas or Dallas, I had to find out who, I had to get new friends, reconnect with family, get a new job. I had to build a new life. What I just did for the past six years or eight years didn't matter anymore. My growing up was right. in a very controlled, aggressive, violent environment that didn't matter anymore, and you're not supposed to talk about it. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you're right. I think, I mean, I it's it's not that you're not supposed to talk about it, but Civilian you're talking it to people that don't know. Yeah. They don't understand. Yeah. And then if you, you know, like, they're also not going to laugh at the fact that um, when you're, you know, if I was a civilian and you're like, yeah, you know, I thought I killed a kid. And yeah, one, I'm like, I mean, that it, my first thought immediately was, well, he was on the bike. Like, why is he on the bike? You know, like, because yeah. I've, I've been there. I've seen it. Yeah. And so... But, it, you know, it kind of like the Vietnam days where it's like, well, unless you've been there, you don't understand the, the horrific situation. But also just the, um, you know, I remember when I came back and it was, it was just, it's just different. It's different it because you go, you're around people who understand everybody. Like when you go to war, you're going to have a different perspective on life. Yeah. And what's kind of, I mean, like you just get a different view of what's important to you, what's not important to you. And the people around you kind of have pretty similar views on what's important, what's not. And then you come back here and yeah, it's just, the priorities are different. It's not their, it's not necessarily their fault. It's experience related. Like I, I also don't think PTSD, for instance, I don't think it should all be labeled as a disorder. 
It's cons- it's strictly right. a it's it's a it's a result of your experiences because yeah. it's not always related. You know, it's not related to just it's military just a side effect. It is, and for me, I never. It's weird to this day. I never miss. I never miss the cool times, I like jumping out of shit and you know mm-hmm. doing air assault missions. I mean, I don't not miss them, but I don't think about them. I miss the shitty times, man. I miss, dude. It's pouring rain. And we're all cuddled up this huge poncho playing spades. Somehow yeah. we're doing it, you know, or we're stuck <clears throat> like 50 feet from the fob. It feels like um, we can't move because our strikers are too far and we brought strikers to Afghanistan. So we're the idiots and they can't do <laughs> suppressive fire because we're there in the way. Um, so we're just going to wait it out and we're going to eat Snickers marathon bars until we can hopefully get QRF on our ass, you know? Um, those are the times I miss because those are the times we talk shit. Those are the times we stay up 36 hours thinking we're dead. And at a, at a, there's like a minute, probably after like 12 hours straight, you're kind of like, okay, we're probably going to die. But at this point, let's stop worrying about it. Like, I'm, I'm too tired to worry. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. fuck it. All exactly. Right. Well, we're going, yeah. we're going. Um, and it's not, a, you know, <clears throat> there's also a saying, man, it's not a real deployment until you shit yourself. <laughs> and I did it in Afghanistan, man. I I don't know why we don't get a badge for that. Our whole cob got dysentery from the food. Shit. Yeah, it was bad. And we were, it was like 6.30 in the morning, man. We're about to roll out. And I go and take a piss, but I feel it dripping down the back of my leg. So I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> so That's not supposed to you happen. You know, so you kind of do a check like, oh, shit. So I run past the trucks. That's like, hang on a second, you know. Run back to the, the tent. No lie, dude. I drop trow and I douse myself with hand sanitizer and wipes. And I do a little whore bath right there. Nice. I leave a pile of that stuff right there on the ground, along with the pants I was wearing. <laughs> grab new pants and my boots hobble back out to the truck. Mind you, the top of me still, I'm ready for war on the top. Yeah. I didn't take anything off. It's just naked Casey waist down. Yeah. I got all my gear up top. <laughs> that uh the end of that day we get back and that whole pile that I left on the ground was gone well then i realized my wallet and id i mean everything oh, shit. was in those pants which means it was probably in the burn pit mm-hmm. and it was so i had to be that guy but uh dude you gotta shit your pants once yeah you have to now i remember um <laughs> uh one of my my team leader at the time was my second deployment, I think, and he he almost shit his pants. We were on target, and he's like, "Man, I'm." He's like, "I gotta, I gotta shit, like I gotta shit." We were like, "I mean, what do you, what do you want us to do, Sergeant? Like, I don't." There's never a good what time. What do you want to do? And and so he <laughs> went. It was like a little courtyard in this um, on the target we were at. We were it was some like little farm, mm-hmm. I guess you know, and Af- it's Afghanistan. So yeah. he walked into the back and he found like two baskets and so he sat he used one for each cheek and he sat it against the wall like up by the goats and stuff and he just took this massive shit right there and he just he just he's probably comfy well you know and it's like in afghanistan you, you go through one of some of these places yeah. and their houses and they'll have like a shit room or they'll have like whatever and it's just like they just lean against the wall and they do the same thing it's yep. just like piles of shit human shit yep. like along the wall and when it like, gets full sometimes oh, wow. they'll scoop it and sometimes they'll take it out and they'll put it in sometimes. the creek or the river that down river you got kids playing in oh yeah and you're like huh okay the, yeah they haven't figured out bacteria yet either <clears throat> i don't think 
I did. I remember my first appointment. I did walk through. I walked into. I was doing like a search. We'd already cleared mm-hmm. everything, and so I was doing a little search in a room. Yeah. And I didn't know that room was a. It was a very nice place comparatively, for especially for like an out of the middle of nowhere farm. Yeah, they had a bathroom, <laughs> like a like an outhouse basically. <clears throat> and so I walked. I'm like doing, looking along these like. I don't know, like ledges. And then as I go through, as I get to the end, I'm looking at these ledges and then there's a window or some glass and I'm like looking, there's all this crap on that ledge. So I'm trying to go through it. And then right as I step, I fall like two feet. And then this big poof of uh, smoke and dust comes up and I inhale it. Yeah. That's good stuff. And it was burned shit. Yeah. My squad leader like looks in and he's like, where are you? Oh man. Oh dude. Do you know what you're standing in right now? And I was like, "Is this a toilet?" Oh, and yeah. It was a private. And he's like, "Hell yeah, that's a toilet. Sucks to be you." Oh man, get your ass out of there! And hurt. I mean, I had that black ash all oh, over me. And I was like, "Fuck." Yeah, we we had a night mission like that. One of our guys disappeared out of like we were one day, like one minute you look and you're nod, you're like, "Okay," look back, you're like, "Shit." Where Where'd he go? Fuck, did he go? And then you hear the curse and the cuss words and the help <laughs> and the son of a bitch, and then you smell him and you're like, oh, okay, now I know what happened. Ugh. And it was a shit creek, shit pond, whatever. But um, yeah, man, that's that's how it's supposed to go, I think. Yeah, I, you know, you meet a lot of people; they'll have cool stories, and you're like, you're either full of shit or you just are ashamed of the reality of what it's really like, and that's being covered in shit. Pissing your pants sometimes because that's your only choice. Yep. Um, which I've done twice, by the way. We did a hundred mile ruck in, in T- or Yakima, Washington. Screw that place. And then we, uh, I pissed myself on purpose in Iraq because we were doing a just a regular walkabout and couldn't stop. So I was like, you know what? It's hot as hell out here. Whatever. Everybody already smells like crap. Yep. Um, at this point, your piss is always clear. Yeah. Either that or it, or it looks like Wild Tiger, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. But <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm very so, familiar with Wild Tiger. So either way, it's a win. Shot coffees were mine. Those are my go-to. Wild, wild Tigers were ours because we drink it like water. We we had one of our Terps. He'd always bring it in for us. Hey, man, here you go. There was no English on it, so we know it was the good stuff. Yeah, the illegal you know? shit. Yeah. Um, I got the American stuff, and it's only good with Everclear. Oh, okay. I realize that. We call All them right. tiger bombs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's cool, man. So, yeah. I, so, so what's the next? I know you said you're getting started in some others. Is there anything you can, like, talk to us about or tell us about those? Like, what's the next chapter? Man, what, the next chapter you? is it's exciting because so recently, so two months ago, it was a very busy time, man. I lost my cousin in yeah. a freak accident. It was Memorial Day. Um, he was an escort for a veteran run on his motorcycle, and he got killed, you know trying to block traffic for that run. Um, Jesus. At the same time, the week we were moving in, and my wife and I were moving into our brand new house that we just bought and built, and we also sold the company. And I mean, it was a yeah. very just all at once kind of thing. Um, so the next chapter looks like this. I'm open for new opportunities. I'm entertaining new opportunities. It's it's that time where after, after you build something for five, six years or longer, these connections that you've made on the way, that's the time to start calling in and, and calling in those favors. Sure. Or calling in and just in, inquiring about certain things. 
Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. And I have a couple offers for different opportunities, ownership opportunities, employment opportunities, um, investment opportunities. You know, I'm looking into commercial property investing and at mm-hmm. the same time, um, building a couple different businesses with a couple different buddies, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's cool. exciting because now I have the, the freedom, the time, um, and the knowledge that I've gained throughout the past six years. Sure. And, uh, um, but the main important thing is that my family is happy. Like I want to be happy. I want my family to be happy. I don't want it to work another business to where it has so much of my time that I resent it. Yeah. And I'm not there yet with J dog. That was kind of one of the main reasons I wanted to sell it. I wanted to see, first of all, how much money I can get for it. But sure. second of all, I didn't want to get to the point I resented it because I was already starting to feel like I, I'm kind of tired because when you build something, yeah, and your son's three, it's three, yeah, yeah. I learned so, so the I, more active he gets too. That's yeah. Unless you can get the the business where you can back off a lot, yeah. and become more oh, yeah. the owner, which in this of the industry operations, can. yeah. In that industry, it's hard to do that. Um, but you know, I learned everything from my dad, man. I've I've taken his mistakes and his successes, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna learn from him. He was my hero. He really was. And it's one of those things, he's actually a small business owner now. Yeah. You know, he went out of a 30-year career. He was National Guard and at commercial uh, construction. And now he's looking at, he just he just surpassed his one-year mark as a Fast Signs franchisee. But he did it because he saw what I was doing, and he wanted that freedom. Yeah. Well, I watched him my whole life, and I'm like, okay, well, one thing I don't want to do is grow up my, you know, I don't want my son to grow up in the, in the ghetto. I don't want him to want or need anything. So I'm going to kill myself. If it has to, if I have to, to make sure he has what he wants and needs to an extent, of course. Right. But, yeah. um, so I learned a lot from him, you know? Yeah. Old man was pretty wise too. everything. Yeah. He told me growing up. So well, freaking true. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think that that's pretty wise of you and, you know, I'll commend you for that <laughs> is it's one thing to, um, have your dad and want to be like your dad. I think most sons grow up that way. Um, most now, yeah. you know, there's always circumstances, but if you have a father that's worth anything, you grow up wanting to be like him, he's your hero. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm in a similar situation. The thing that I will commend you for is I've, I have friends and I know a lot of guys that just do the exact same thing their dad did. Mm-hmm. But they make the same mistakes. Right. And it's like, yeah why? you like, didn't you see, didn't, didn't that suck? Well, did their dad there? ever tell them not to though? I don't know. Because here's the thing. Oh, oh, yes. I know one of my friends. Absolutely. So my dad told me. He's stubborn as hell. He's like, never get into construction. I said, why? Because it pays good, and it's always going to be there. And then you're going to get caught up in it. Sure. Which is what he did. Mm -hmm. Um, So I said, okay, fine. I won't do that. But I also did join the Army just like he did. Yeah. And then I got into junk removal, which is not construction, (laughs) but, dude, it's it's around the same realm. Yeah, it's demolition. It's pretty close. But what I learned was... what he meant was don't get into something you're so invested in. There's no way out. And that's like, he had a huge, uh, reality check. I'm not going to put his shit out there, but yeah, a couple years ago, like he, it all came crashing down on him and he realized, wow, I am not happy. Yeah. These past 30 years have given me not what I thought, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen him talk about it. Yeah. And yeah. that, and it was very, when he talked about it, that was the first time I heard him talk about it. Like, I remember you saying that I afterwards. I was like, holy shit. You're like, man, I hadn't heard that shit either. I know. I'm like, everybody, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I need to hear this. 
God damn it, he's talking. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's one of those things, man, where, you know, not to get political, but dude, when you got politicians talking about these programs, the only ones that actually make sense are parental guidance programs. Like, yeah. hey, let's let's get these people with father figures <clears throat> or even mother figures, whatever. Those are so important. They really are. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I don't, I've not met many people that, to argue that. They might say that, you know, but I mean, the numbers are out there and it's not political. The numbers are, it doesn't matter your political stance whatsoever. You're, mm-hmm. you know, a man yeah. being a real man in his family and being yeah. involved is, is incredibly important for the development of his kids. And, and you know, what's funny is society. current, um, you know, whatever status, current events, Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I thought was, damn, I wonder what that kid is doing that I shot in yeah. 2012. I wonder if he is on the Taliban side. Right, because he got did shot. Did he make it to America <laughs> or, or what? Or did he, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because yeah. you think about these, you don't think about it, of course, at the time, but even the Terps, you kind of forget for a Man. couple years. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, shit, whatever happened to whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, all our Terps were named after Hispanic people. I'm not sure why, but they were, and they chose those names. Except for one, he chose um, Jean-Claude. Oh. He loved Van Damme. Hell it his, yeah. He was his hero. Dude. Um, he ended up dying, by the way. He, oh. Yeah, IED. Wow. Right in half. But he was built like Jean-Claude. Damn, um, that's But anyways, awesome. you think about these people. Do, I wonder if he could do the splits like Jean-Claude. No, this dude was way top heavy. He would have crushed himself. <laughs> <laughs> Roided out machine, man. That's awesome. But, you know, I thought about that. Yeah. I didn't think about anything else. I thought about the kids of Afghanistan. Sure. They're the ones getting screwed right now. Oh, getting, well, that and the women. Yeah, the women and the kids. It's like the Taliban is always going to be there. But we didn't we didn't go over there for what we thought we did. And I think that's another yeah. story from their time. But No, yeah, I think we're going to talk about uh, – I have a guy coming on next weekend. I think yeah. he's going to come. We're, we might We might tackle that. I just don't want it to be too – too political and well, I don't know what think, this podcast is about, but I think you get into the reasons, the reasons you join, the reason mm-hmm. you fought and then the reasons you got out and you'll figure out real quick for certain guys. They're never the same. Yeah. You joined for a different reason than you fought for. You fought for a different reason than you got out for. Yeah. And then you got out for a different reason than you joined. Cause you're like, Holy shit. Like, why is my number one and number two in that order? my best decision ever made and my worst or my best, my first and second best decision was joining and getting out Mm -hmm. in that order. Like, I'm glad I did it, but in that order, I'm glad I did it. I'm also glad I got out. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. No, I feel the same way. I I don't, I wouldn't be the same person. And I learned a lot of, and I don't, I think I owe a lot of six to any success that I've had. Um, especially managing people yeah. to being in the army. Yeah. And but was, I'm also very glad I got exactly. out. Exactly. I was infantry, man. No, oh, yeah. When you get out, there's no, hey, man, you can you can be the CEO one day. No, they tell you, you can go work at Walmart. Which I think mall. is such garbage. When they say that, they're like, well, you shot the rifle. Like, you don't have any skills. Like, bullshit. You have the one skill <laughs> that is more important than all the other technical skills, which yeah. is managing and managing people. Yeah. That's because that's, that's what you do. I think veterans, most veterans can make the best entrepreneurs if guided in the right direction. Oh, yeah. Honestly. I agree. 100%. That's tomorrow. 
at the Veteran Circles Meetup in Keller, Texas at 1130. I don't know. Every first and third Wednesday. You should say that. There yeah. you go. Because it's going to come up yeah, next that's week. True. Every first and third Wednesday at Old Town Ice House. In yeah, yeah, yeah. But tomorrow we're talking about um, just the importance of networking, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that group was started based on veteran businesses because as a vet, you're used to the, uh, it's a C word. I always forget this damn word. You're very, ca- not cavalier. I don't know. But you're used to enduring bullshit. Uh-huh. Um, so... Oh, it's not a C word. It's an R word. Resilience. Yeah. Yeah. I've had too many beers, Steven. You've had two. <laughs> so. I mean, I don't know how many you had before here, but. I usually have one everywhere I go on the oh, way. Okay. In that console, if it's 12 pack. Nice. But uh, resilient. You're resilient as a vet. So you really do have great potential. Yeah. Building and running a business. It's crazy to think that. Um. So, yeah. That's the whole the whole basis around what i'm trying to do with veteran circles cool all right man well i appreciate your time thanks for coming in yeah thanks, thanks for having coming me. to my house i hope this turns which out is good. where my fancy studio is in my bedroom yeah and uh where most things happen yeah so all the good stuff happens and then i will see you tomorrow at veteran circles mm-hmm. which is the first and third wednesday of every month yep where's that and it's in keller texas our branch if you're on the Tarrant County side, it's going to be on the Keller Ice House. Is it Keller Ice House? No, it's Old Town Ice House. Old in Town Keller. Ice. Yes. I always say that. Old Town Ice House in yeah. Keller. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate your time. Hey, I appreciate it too. And uh, to all the vets out there, I promise you, you, you don't know anything until you try. End it. Drop it. Send it. This has been the beyond our service podcast if you like what you heard please subscribe review tell your friends all about us this show can be found everywhere major podcasts are available and if you'd like to reach out please head over to beyondourservice.com and let us know what you think or find out how you can be a part of the show see you next time